Banks of the Colorado River in Lake Mead to the homes and businesses in Southern Nevada, welcome to Water Smarts, the podcast pumping from the heart of Las Vegas, where we engage with the experts who keep the water flowing throughout Southern Nevada. I'm Bronson Mack. And I'm Crystal Zelke. From how we treat it, deliver it, use it, protect it, and conserve it, the Water Smarts podcast is all about water in Southern Nevada. We hope to make you a little smarter about the one thing that keeps us all connected, water. Hey, Crystal, how are you? And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm good. Just, you know, new year, new beginnings, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. New year, new you. Uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. I was talking with a buddy of mine who asked me, you know, we were talking resolutions and I was like, dude, I think I am still working on resolutions from like 1998. So, um, I still, I still have a little more work to do on myself this year. And I'm with you. I don't make resolutions. My resolution is just to try to be a better person than I was last year. And that leaves it very vague and open for (laughs) me to interpret what that means. But you know, one of those things is just being a better steward of the environment. I am an employee of the water district, but I very much care about what's going on here. And I like to know that we're all doing our part. So, you know, when I need water, I have it. Yeah, I can't imagine going to the tap, turning that tap on and uh, no water coming out. Fortunately, I think for most of us here in Southern Nevada, that's a reality that we don't have to think about. We really don't have to imagine too much. That is one of the reasons why conservation continues to be important. But in addition to water conservation, it's about water delivery, the reliability of our water system in order to move that water from Lake Mead throughout the valley and deliver it to the homes and businesses throughout our community. And today on the Water Smarts podcast to talk a little bit about what it takes to move water from the lake to your tap, we have Ken Albright, the Director of Operations for the Southern Nevada Water Authority and the Las Vegas Valley Water District. Ken Albright, welcome to the Water Smarts Podcast. Bronson, Crystal, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate you uh, asking me and uh, let's talk about water. Yeah, you know, Ken, really excited to have you here today because you are a key player in moving water throughout this valley making sure that our water system is operating properly as you're moving water from Lake Mead out to the homes and businesses throughout the community. Can you just walk us through that process a little bit and give us an overview of how Southern Nevada gets its water through the Water Authority, pumping and treating that water and and moving it out all over the valley? It's really an interesting process. As most of you know, we get most of the water for Southern Nevada from Lake Mead. We have intakes into Lake Mead. These are big tunnels that get water out of the lake. We have pump stations that move it up to the treatment plants. Our treatment plant folks then turn that into the best water quality you can imagine. We exceed all federal safety requirements in that. Hand it back to me and my team, and we pump it up through reservoirs all the way across the valley from Boulder City all the way up to the northwest side of the valley and uh, move through that process of monitoring those flows and continue to pump it up to reservoirs. So, Ken, the Water Authority is the wholesale provider for all of the Valley. So it's the one that treats the water, delivers to its member agencies, the Las Vegas Valley Water District, North Las Vegas, Henderson. And then those water agencies get the water to their respective customers. Is that correct? That's exactly right. So the SNWA, the Southern Nevada Water Authority, is exactly what you said. We are the wholesaler. We remove that water from Lake Mead. It is taken to our treatment plants and we pump it up, continually moving it up the hill. If you can imagine the current lake level being at about 1,060 feet above sea level 
And we are serving customers at about 4,000, almost 5,000 feet. So we're moving that water up 4,000 feet vertically across 20 to 50 miles of uh, horizontal space. So our pump stations make that happen. They put water into the reservoirs. And as you can imagine, every one of those pumps needs electricity to run. And that's one of my biggest expenses in the valley is moving that water through electricity and pumping to get it to those reservoirs. Wow. So electricity is used to pump that water and move that water uphill. And then that water goes from reservoir to reservoir through those pump stations in order to really make its way throughout the valley. And then I understand that the water gravity feeds from those reservoirs down to the homes and businesses. And it's through that use of gravity and flow and hydraulics that the water pressure ultimately builds up and gets created in order to deliver that water. Can you explain a little bit about a gravity-fed system, uh, just a little more detail, like how that works and why pressure might be, you know, a little higher in one area or a little bit lower in another? Yeah, you bet. As we move water up from one side of the valley to the other, again, that low elevation to that high elevation, we can't really do it in one big lift, as I would call it. One, I cannot move it 4,000 feet vertical. So we have intermediate reservoirs that receive that water and then push it to the next level. Each one of those reservoirs in its own right then serves customers, whether they be homeowners or businesses. You may sit at one elevation and your friend is down the hill from you being fed from the same reservoir. Because that friend is lower, the water in the reservoir is a little higher and it provides them a little more pressure than you. But all of the pressures that everybody receives are typically between about 50 PSI and 100 PSI. And then each individual homeowner may have a pressure reducing device at their own home, but everybody receives adequate pressure to run all of their appliances and get water to their sprinklers and have just a nice lifestyle because of these systems. So you can't really crank up the pressure for one homeowner and crank down the pressure in the system for, for another homeowner that's nearby, right? It's pretty consistent throughout time what the pressures will be at a, at a specific property. Very consistent. Our reservoirs have 20 to 30 feet of elevation change in them, but we never run them through that entire bandwidth of feet. We try to run them very consistently, and therefore you as a homeowner can rely on a very consistent pressure. One of the devices that's really important, especially at commercial properties and homes, are backflow devices. As a homeowner, you might recognize them. They are just, they look like a pipe coming out of the ground and it looks like it goes back into the ground. And there are some valves on them. But at a commercial property, they're much bigger in design. Can you explain more about backflow and why these devices are important to help protect our water supply? You bet. And I'm glad you brought that up. Backflow devices are extremely important and they protect everyone and they protect the system. What they do is allow water to stay on your property. We only want water from our system going to your property and not coming back into ours. You don't want your dishwater, your pool water coming back into my system and being fed to someone else. So what that backflow device does is only allows water to go into your property and not away from it. Think of it as a one-way gate for water. So can you explain a little bit more about how backflow might occur? Like what would cause water to go back into the system? Drastic changes in pressure. We have a system that has a very constant pressure, as we've talked about, so that you have a very constant lifestyle. You can rely on that pressure into your house. If, for instance, we have a uh, water main break or, heaven forbid, a fire where fire hydrants are simply opened, all the water in the whole system would want to rush to that opening. And if you, for instance, had a hose in your pool, we don't want your pool water being rushing towards that opening and infiltrating my entire system. So we have backflow devices. 
Wow, that is really interesting. So these backflow prevention devices are installed, helps protect the water system from any water that may flow backwards from an on-site source into the distribution system. And that prevents that prevents any contamination to the distribution system. Is that about right? That's exactly right. Backflow, that's the term we use that means unwanted flow into my system. I do not want backflow. You do not want backflow. We don't want a contaminated system. You know, that makes a whole lot of sense. And most homeowners have some type of backflow prevention that separates their irrigation systems from their home systems. They're generally called vacuum breakers, but you see those over kind of where uh, your irrigation system maybe has some valves, maybe where the hose spigot is. So certainly homeowners want to keep those in good working order. Ken, let me ask you another question. You know, you mentioned that there's miles and miles of pipe throughout the valley that ultimately the Southern Nevada Water Authority and water purveyors are using in order to convey water to customers. But, you know, those pipes are buried underground. We really don't see them. Can you just talk a little bit about how the Water Authority and even the municipal agencies here in Southern Nevada know if there's a leak that occurs underground? I mean, you can't see it. So how in the world would you even know if there's a leak that's happening? We have a couple of different means by which we do that. We have a control center that we operate the entire water system from. And if our reservoirs drop suddenly, we recognize that that must be from really one and only one means. And that's that's a giant leak in the system, a ruptured pipe. But also, we are out there physically looking for leaks. We have a leak detection, an acoustic leak detection system. We actually listen for pipelines making noises in abnormal times of day. So we'll send our crews out there in the middle of the night sometimes and listen for leaks. But now don't be mistaken, every system has leaks. We run a world-class system though. The Southern Nevada Water Authority and the Las Vegas Valley Water District have leak levels far below the industry standard. There are some systems out there that leak 15 to even 25% of their water. Our rate is somewhere around the four to 6%. Wow, that is really impressive, Ken. You know, acoustic monitoring, going out, listening for those leaks so that you can kind of pinpoint those locations. But can you just talk a little bit more? I'm a little bit more curious about really what happens once you're made aware of a leak. The leak is found, you know where it is. What happens next? What occurs? First of all, We get notifications of many types of leaks. Sometimes they're leaks that are on people's properties. We are not allowed to go on systems properties. Can you imagine that I would have to be the plumber for over 1 million homes? That is not where our job begins or ends. Our job starts in the street and ends at your meter. So if you call in a leak or we find a leak, at that point, it's my responsibility. If it's in the street, if it's on your side of the meter, I have to let you fix that. So once we get a leak, we determine the level of severity, we'll call it. We rate that leak. If it's gushing water, I need to get a crew out there immediately. If it's disrupting traffic, I need to get a crew out there immediately. If it's just a wet spot on the pavement, I will schedule that. I'll do the call before you can dig. I'll do the same thing that you are required to do as a homeowner. Safety, first and foremost, to you as the customer and my staff is job one for us. So we do a call before you can dig. We make sure that the gas company gets out there, the sanitation, the telephone, the cable, everybody out there identifying their lines. And then we go out there and many times we have to rip up the street, replace that section of pipe and put it back together. Ken, why is that call before you dig process so important? What's the use of even doing that? Well, think of all the utilities in the ground at that location. If my guys or you were to hit an electric line, a gas line, a spark goes off, Catastrophic things can happen if you're not prepared. So we all do a call before you can dig. Every utility goes out into the street and has their own color paint 
marks their lines so that we all know where to dig and dig safely. So you bring up a good point that we're not able to go to every home and fix all their plumbing issues, but we do have to repair the ones that are in the streets or under the streets, and that may impact customers. So when that happens, kind of talk us through that process. What can customers expect when a repair needs to happen? You bet. Even during the repair process, as you can imagine, I have to isolate that leak first and foremost, shut the water off to it so that I can get in and repair it. Sometimes I'll shut a valve off in the street. I'll have to isolate a section that may take you down as a customer. Hopefully you'll only be down three or four hours. That's typically all the longer it takes for me to fix a leak. At that point, the repair is fixed. Everything is fine. We turn those valves back on and you've got water, but I've still got a hole in the ground. My team is out there then and we put fresh dirt back in that hole. We compact it and we do what we call a temporary patch. We put a level of asphalt on that street that is temporary. It's got a lifespan of probably a year or two. But at that point, we amass a lot of those, put out a contract and have a uh, private contractor come out and put the final repair together. So you as a homeowner, you might be driving over a temporary patch for six months or so while we are in the process of putting together a contract that a private asphalt company will go out there and repair all of those. So Ken, I got to imagine that that when you get an asphalt contractor and the asphalt contractor is going around and you're doing all of those temporary patches, making them now permanent patches going forward, that you kind of do that in a way that gives you some economies of scale, maybe save some ratepayer dollars doing it that way, rather than sending a contractor out for each and every single patch to do a finished completion. Is that is that correct? Oh, that's exactly right. We uh, we couldn't afford it if we had to send a contractor out for each individual one. And a contractor wouldn't want a project like that. He wants to amass a work scope that he can put his crews together in an efficient manner also. Do you have thirsty grass? Well, you're in luck. The Southern Nevada Water Authority is giving you cash for your grass. Convert your useless lawn to water smart landscaping and receive a cash rebate from the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Start saving water and money today by visiting snwa.com. SNWA is a not-for-profit water agency. One of the other things that's really interesting about the water system is I've never heard of us actually, hey, it's uh, it's six o'clock at night, so we're going to go ahead and and shut down the water system, right? I mean, we keep the water system running and operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is obviously important here in Las Vegas, where we are a 24-hour town. And I have to assume that there's some automation that's associated with the water system. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Are are things automated? Do you have individuals that are actually working and controlling the system? How How does that work? Yeah, it's very automated. We have a control center just like a power station may or a gas company may. We have big boards, of visual displays of every pump station, every reservoir. But although it's a very advanced control system, it is run and operated by professionals. We have 24 hours a day, seven day a week coverage for that control center. We can turn pumps on from that. We can turn pumps off. We uh, monitor the level of every reservoir. And that center is the nerve center of the entire Las Vegas Valley Water District. So in a city that never sleeps, we have a water system that never sleeps. We have people operating that system. And obviously, we hope that they get some rest so they're staying sharp. 
But talk to us a little bit about this around the clock sort of work that gets done, this monitoring that happens throughout the distribution system. In addition to to monitoring the operations, are you guys also able to monitor the quality of the water? In other words, if there's some kind of a contamination event, if there's something that goes wrong with the quality of that water, is that something that you're able to see or or do you have to go out and pull a lot of samples and do a lot of testing to, to verify that? Well, it's both. We can monitor some key components like chlorine levels, for example, or levels in our reservoir, pump station uh, characteristics, how much water is being delivered to a station, what the pressure is in your station. But once we see an anomaly, we send people out immediately to test, check for mechanical issues, if that's what it is, to test the water for contaminant issues. Very rarely does that happen. But, but yeah, we're prepared to handle everything from that control center and we do it. So you got people monitoring the water quality, monitoring the water system, operating the water system, repairing the water system, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Does that include Christmas? Yeah, that includes Christmas and includes New Year's and even my birthday. <laughs> really? So that's pretty impressive just to keep that in mind that there are eyes on our water system 24-7, even on holidays. There are people that are dedicated to continuing to operate and repair that system. That's extremely impressive. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, they are impressive individuals. And uh, as I said, they're the lifeblood of the uh, the organization. And without them, we couldn't handle it. It's really an impressive uh, situation. I'd love to take you down there sometime. So the, the SNWA and the Water District ensure that the water continues to flow through the pipes. And water users and customers help ensure that the local water system is maintained and operated efficiently simply by paying their bills every month. What's interesting, as we've stated here already, is that a lot of our infrastructure is underground, so it's just not really seen out there by the community. Ken, explain to us why it's so important that we maintain our water system infrastructure. Well, we briefly touched on it. Some of the water systems have 15 to 25 percent leaks. We're in a desert. We have limited water resources. Some systems have catastrophic failures. We've heard of the water quality issues of Flint, Michigan. We don't want things like that to happen here. There's only one way to ensure that things like that can't happen, and that's to maintain, update, and upgrade your system. We replace old parts, our valves, our pipes. We're constantly monitoring for leaks. We update our computer systems. Uh, Right now, we're going through a look at the system that operates all of our pumps and making sure that it's state-of-the-art. We upgrade our water quality and treatment processes all of that equipment to ensure a safe delivery of water. We don't just make sure the system works well in the new parts of the city. We make sure that the system works well in the existing parts of the city. Our system is world-class. We're very proud of it. And by us being so proactive, or I should say the Water Authority and the Water District, being proactive and maintaining that infrastructure and staying on top of it before it becomes aged and their issues begin to evolve, that's what keeps the water coming out of the tap. I've never turned on my tap and no water has come out. So something's being done right here. Well, Bronson has said it, you've said it, 24-hour community. Everyone deserves a shower every morning and everybody gets one. Uh, We're proud of the fact that we maintain this level of a system. I don't think you can go anywhere in the country and be this impressed with a water system. We have a leak rate that other places are envious and we maintain our system to a high level and we will continue to do so. And that is all about making sure that we have reliable water delivery 
reliable conveyance, reliable pumps and pipes and fire hydrants and all of the things that are necessary in order to move water throughout the valley. Ken, great overview. Really appreciate you coming on the Water Smarts podcast. But before we let you go, we got a couple listener questions. Would you be game to do a couple? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. All right. This first question that we have comes from Sandra, and Sandra is asking, why do you have to shut down my water to make repairs to pipes and valves that aren't on my street? And do these repairs affect my plumbing system? So can you just help our audience understand, or at least help Sandra understand, why her water service may have been shut off to make some repairs that might have been a couple of streets away? You bet. We uh, touched on it a little bit already, but if you can imagine our water system out there, we have valves about every 500 feet or so, sometimes not quite that often. So when a pipeline bursts in the street or when there's even a small leak, I have to isolate that. And by the term isolation, I mean shut the water off to that leak so my teams can get in there, open up the street in that location, get at the leak and replace that valve, that piece of pipe. You may be within that immediacy of those valves. You may be on the, on the side of those valves that I have to shut down so that water doesn't continue to flow out of that pipe, out of that leaky system. So again, when we have to shut those valves down to keep the water flowing to that leak, if you're within that control zone, uh, I apologize, you will be affected, but we need to isolate that event so that we can fix it. And our next question we have comes from, <laughs> oddly enough, this guy's name is Ken too. And what Ken is asking us here is, how come some fire hydrants are yellow and other fire hydrants are red? Can you address that one for us? Sure. Uh, the yellow fire hydrants are the municipality-owned fire hydrants, North Las Vegas, Henderson, County, the city. If you have a red fire hydrant, you're typically in a shopping center or an on-site private development. So just an ownership issue. So the red ones are privately owned. The yellow ones are municipally owned. Great information. Ken Albright. Director of Operations for the Southern Nevada Water Authority in the Las Vegas Valley Water District. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Water Smarts Podcast. Crystal Bronson, thank you. Uh, I'd be happy to come back anytime. I appreciate it. We'll have you back for sure. Thanks so much, Ken. Thank you. The Water Smarts Podcast is brought to you by the Southern Nevada Water Authority, which reminds you to follow the mandatory seasonal watering restrictions. It's the law. You can find your assigned watering days on snwa.com. Remember, watering outside your assigned watering days or letting water run off your property are considered water waste and could result in a water waste fine. You can find more information about water waste, how to prevent it, how to report it on snwa.com. You can also find links to each of the member agency websites, where to report water waste, water waste hotlines, and online forms for each of those utilities. Or if you're a customer of the Las Vegas Valley Water District or the city of Henderson, you can download their apps on your mobile device. The apps make it easy to report water waste on the spot. Stopping water waste and following the mandatory watering restrictions are two of the most important actions we can take in Southern Nevada to protect our water supply. Keep water on your property and make sure you know when to water. Well, Crystal, another uh, great discussion. I really enjoy talking to Ken. You know, he's really knowledgeable about the water system, about the operations, how we move water throughout Southern Nevada. I'm just always impressed uh, when I hear him talk. Yeah. And one of the things I find really interesting is that, you know, we always talk about technology and how much more sophisticated it gets and how it really helps alleviate a lot of the work that we do. But our crews are out there 
all the time, making the system work for us. And I like to think of Vegas as always under construction because everywhere you go, you know, there's the orange cones. But I would rather drive over a patch knowing that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be able to take my shower and I'm going to have my cup of coffee because without those two things, I nobody wants to know me for that day. That's a great point. You know, whether it's the middle of winter or the middle of summer, super hot, super cold, whatever the outdoor temperatures or weather is like, those crews are out there making sure that the water system operates, that the water system is in top condition. You know, one of the other things that I always think about is when the pandemic really started and we saw Vegas shut down, those, you know, who were fortunate enough to work from home were able to work from home. The, the guys who are out there maintaining the water system, operating the water system, they really couldn't work from home, right? They were out there uh, during those really kind of trying and uncertain times at the beginning of the pandemic, still out there getting their hands dirty, fixing the water system, making sure that it was running and operating smoothly. Just something that I always think about. Same thing for holidays. You know, those guys are working on holidays as well. Yes, we appreciate every man and woman out there making it happen. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this episode of Water Smarts. Another great episode. We hope you subscribe and listen to us next time. You can feel free to send us questions. As you heard, we answered some questions today on the air. Send your questions via email to watersmarts at snwa.com. Or you can access and reach us through our website at snwa.com. We'll make sure to get back with you with an answer. And hey, you may even hear your question on the air. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time here on Water Smarts.